Blog Talk Radio. Hello, Giants fans. Welcome to week four of the Giant Beat. I'm David Bolletti. I'm joined by Alex Wilson. And if you are awake and you're a Giants fan, go back to bed. It's over. The season is done. We are 0-4. The only team ever to make the playoffs after starting 0-4 is the 1992 Chargers. And we're not good enough to do that. So, Giants fans, go back to bed. It's over. But no, seriously, though, we have a podcast to talk about. Alex, I know you want to talk about something that is important to you, our quarterback, Eli Manning. I want you to take the floor and discuss what happened. Okay, David, let's get this started. Let's get it rolling. Something uh, the Giants offense just can't seem to do. Just, you know, the whole team just can't get it rolling. When one, when one unit fails, the other one can't, just can't step up and, uh, you know, bail them out. Uh, the anger that I feel right now is too much to control. I actually, you know, want to fly back to New York and just look Ben McAdoo in the face and just scream at him. Just, just blow my head off at at the fact that he can't make a simple call. Um, I today I want to start off with Eli Manning and kind of go through how he performed and how well I think he performed. Um, I want to talk about the fact that you know he's 36 years old. And he ran for a touchdown last night. He's the first player to score a rushing touchdown. And remember, we are in week four. We're in week four, and we haven't scored a rushing touchdown. Our immobile quarterback, someone that he was the last person in this entire planet that I thought was going to score a rushing touchdown for the Giants. I thought that that Brad Wing had a better chance of scoring a rushing touchdown. Um, I, I don't even. I don't even know what to say at this point. It's so bad. I think, I think we should rename the podcast for today, Who Hates Ben McAdoo Show? Because this is, this is all about McAdoo. I mean, Jerry Reese, is, he's to blame for the talent. And I think the Giants have a ton of talent. I don't think that's the issue. Obviously, the offensive line is something that we should be concerned about. Um, they don't have the talent, clearly. But the rest of the team, there is no excuses. There is not a single excuse that they shouldn't be coming out and performing beyond their expectations. I think Eli had a great game. He's the only reason the offense is doing well. Brandon Marshall's dropping passes like there are flies out there. I mean, Eli had 30 passes completed on 49 attempts, 20, 288 yards. He had two touchdown passes, a rushing touchdown, and zero interceptions. What more could you ask from your franchise quarterback than to put up, a, put up the statistics like that and to still lose? I mean, he had five drop passes. From his receivers. We saw Odell Beckham Jr. drop one. We saw Brandon Marshall drop a few. It's, Brandon Marshall's new name should be Butterfingers. Somebody needs to teach that man to catch a damn ball. <laughs> it's just, it's outrageous. The, the one great catch he had in the second half does not make up for the three other balls he dropped yesterday. He's being, he's being paid $6 million per year. Do you know what I can buy for $6 million? I can buy myself new hands that could catch a spaceship hurtling towards Earth. I could buy myself gloves so sticky that even super glue would look up to them. I could, I, you know, you get the point. <laughs> Brandon, Brandon Marshall looked horrendous. My little sister was sitting beside me when I was watching the game last night. And she looked at me and she said, she said, Alex, why does that man have such slippery hands? I said, I said, because he sucks. He sucks. He sucks more than Mark Sanchez. He sucks more than Mark Sanchez after the butt fumble. He is so bad. I would have a better chance at catching those balls with my feet. I don't understand. I mean, 
I get we could roast Marshall all day long. I mean, he has dropped pa- multiple passes over the over the course of the season so far. Big passes, third down passes that we needed to get, you know, to keep the job. You know, it's it's just getting to me at this point. We're paying guys six million dollars and he can't even catch a ball. Do you do you feel the same way? Because I feel the fact you're cutting in a lot. You're cutting uh, in and out a lot today, Alex. I'm not sure what the situation is, but I think the podcast will be able to hear this. So I'm pretty sure what you asked was, do I feel the same way about Brandon Marshall? The answer is absolutely yes. Brandon Marshall is unfortunately a joke for the New York Giants. And I'll let you have your little tangent there. I was very happy to hear that you were enthusiastic, unfortunately, for the Giants being bad, but I had to give you your little time there. We're bad. There is no way to hide it. We are a bad NFL team, and there are a lot of reasons why. Ironically enough, the offensive line yesterday was not the reason why we played bad. They actually played fairly well. Eli Manning had himself a great game. Three total touchdowns, 300 yards, you know, between passing the ball and running it. Eli Manning actually <laughs> had the rushing uh, attempt of the game for the Giants at 14 yards with the longest rush. For the Giants, fun fact, which is not very fun, actually makes me sad, but Eli played well. I mean, the receivers, other than Brandon Marshall, actually, you know, did their job as expected. And I think you said the best, unfortunately, is that when one part of the game is relatively all right for the Giants, in this case their offense, the other facets have let them down. And and what ended up happening, truthfully, at this game was a team that came in that was better than us, made us look like fools. We looked like fools out there yesterday, and it was pathetic to watch as a Giants fan. I am beyond disappointed in my team. I, I agree, although I do, I do think that – I don't think that they were better than us. I think that we made a few bad calls. I, I know we had a discrepancy over this before, and I want to I wanna kind of get into this. Um, in the first quarter when we could have kicked the field goal, Ben McAdoo decided to go for it on fourth down. Um, I, I don't think it was the right call. I think we've been trying to go for it. Last season, we saw him go for it a lot, and he was really successful. This year, not so much. I think he should have taken the points. you gotta, you got to take the points where you can get them right now. The offense is so bad. We, we haven't scored a single point in the first quarter this entire season. You know, So it, it's time for us to just take points where we can get them and, and move on. Give the defense a shot because if we're turning the ball over and giving them decent field position, we can't rely on the defense right now to to step up and, and contain them because they're just not they're not where we they need to be. And last season's defense is far off from what we're seeing this year. The safeties can't contain anybody. They're missing tackles. Darian Thompson, the guy that everyone was so excited about, has been missing tackles left and right. Andrew Adams has been uh, I mean he's been there, but he's still the backup. He's not really producing that much either I don't I don't really know what to what to do about it anymore do, do you think what do you think about that do you think I know you said before that they should uh they should have went forward on fourth down you stick by do you still stick by, stick by that call I do actually so going into this game I actually wrote an article saying uh four things Giants really had to watch for against the Bucks. and the last thing I wrote is the Giants have to be willing to take chances with the Giants standing 0-3 and Ben McAdoo's job realistically being hung in the balance I would not be shocked if McAdoo was fired. I've been saying that for a while now. McAdoo could very easily be fired. There was nothing to lose to the Giants by being aggressive. And while I don't like the call that he had in that fourth down, obviously not getting it, 
I respect it, and I was like, all right, this is my head coach. I know that if we score here, we have the momentum, and we have to have something going for us. Those three points, yeah, we would have won just based on the scoreboard of 26-25, which would have been the score. But also, this is not a vacuum. Nick Folk missed two field goals that realistically he should have made and a PAT. Now, you could also argue the Odell Beckham, you know, two-point conversion, that's fine. But what I'm trying to say is that that swing of that potential touchdown game for us or that field goal, it was the right call, in my opinion. You have to go for it when you have nothing else to lose. And when it, 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 it just it felt like the right call at the time. We had to have some kind of momentum. didn't work, but I respect the call by McAdoo, which is something you'll never hear out of me. McAdoo made the right call. Fun fact. I, I don't know. I, I think that, you know, McAdoo's new name should be McAdoo because that pass, that call was just, <laughs> what, to me, to me, to me, to me, it just, it just didn't make sense. I, that was their last chance. The Giants' last chance to salvage the season was that game. And we cannot afford to be making risky calls like that in the first quarter when we need points, we need to put something on the board, show that we have a lead. We haven't had a lead this entire season in the first half. So it's, it's, it's at the point where we need to start off strong and at least, you know, make a choice and point in the we can move forward instead of putting that risk. That's the risk factor that has been working for us. I think, you know, McAdoo has been playing this game that if, you know, if he gets it, he's the hero. And if he doesn't, he's the villain. And he's been the villain. And today he was, or, you know, I saw quotes of him saying that he is, isn't even surprised that his team is 0-4. What does that say about, about what he, how he's running the team? That, that just says he, he's not surprised that his players aren't playing well. And he is basically not shouldering any of this blame. He's, he's tossing the blame out to his players who are taking it all in. And he's le- sitting there on, on, on his high horse coming in each week, taking more risks and still putting the blame on his players. I don't see how he can go about doing this continuously and not be on the hot seat. I, I think you're right. He, he is very much in danger of losing his job, if not this season, by the beginning of next season. Because if you're looking, if you're John Mara and you're sitting up in the booth and you're looking down at your team performing like that, and you're looking at your head coach saying you need to perform better, and then the next week he performs even worse or still loses the game on a field goal, you're disappointed, you know, you're, you're just disappointed. And I think if, if I'm John Mara, I'm really, I'm rethinking my options and I'm looking around the NFL and seeing, you know, who could replace him that could do a better job in a short, a short time amount of time. And um, it, it could come down to that at the end of the season, I think, you know. Listen, you're absolutely right, but I w- I'll be more aggressive about it. I would fire him today. Or next week, or whenever our bye week is, because I'm not off the top of my head. I don't know exactly when it is. I believe it's after the Charger game. But the point is, I would fire McAdoo, like, immediately. He has to go. He is the problem with the Giants team. On paper, this should have been a, at worst case, 8-8, eight 7-9 eight, team. On paper, and very clearly, this is not paper. <laughs> we are performing much worse than anyone could have thought. Even the most pessimistic fan could not have seen this happening, and it's just so disappointing. McAdoo is getting nothing out of his team, and putting the blame on them is the first step to losing that locker room, and it, it can't get any worse. It really cannot. Nope. And it's it, and it's already bad now, so. I don't know. I don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> it makes me You're sad. Kind of, you're kind of 
viewer film. It is. It really, it really couldn't get worse. And you know, I want everyone to be there for a second and just listen to what I'm about to say to you because it's either going to blow your mind or it's going to make you so angry that it's going to blow your mind anyway. New York Jets are two and two on the season. You know what their chances of making the Super Bowl were? Was they were. 9,999 to 1. The Giants were five, had a 5-1 chance of making the Super Bowl going into this season. They are performing worse than the New York Jets are, a team that I was hearing might have the worst roster in NFL history this year. I honestly am baffled at these facts. It doesn't make sense to me. I don't even know what to say. Honestly, I'd rather have the Jets team at this point because it seems like they have more talent. But I do want to talk about one bright spot on the offense. I do want to talk about rookie running back Wayne Gallman. On his birthday yesterday, he recorded 11 carries for 42 yards and two receptions for eight yards and a touchdown. Gallman recorded 50 all-purpose yards in one half of play yesterday for the Giants. Paul Perkins has 95 all-purpose yards in four games. I don't understand how Gallman just strolled onto the field and performed so well, but Perkins has been basically absent from the field. I think my little sister could have entered the field and put up more yards than him. It, it's, honestly, it's embarrassing. He had one point, hit a 1.4 average yards per carry yesterday. 1.4. And Gallman, at this point, I think could very well surpass Perkins on the depth chart and take a spot, if not next week, very soon after that. Very soon. Do you think that Gallman could, uh, you know, take that spot, steal the, the starting job away from Perkins? Because I think at this point they have to make a change, and that's the most obvious one. I think he already has. I think Wayne Gallman is going to steal the, the spot starting the game against the Chargers. I, I remember talking about this last week or two weeks ago on this podcast that I thought they should, uh, you know, bring Wayne Gallman on. Or this might have even been over Facebook when you and I were just talking. I want Wayne Gallman to play he, he can't uh, saying it, they can't get any worse, but seriously, Wayne Goldman at least showed some kind of life as an NFL running back. Paul Perkins has proven to be the exact opposite. Paul Perkins has a severe case of just lack of talent. <laughs> hey, let's call it what it is. Paul Perkins is just not talented enough to be in the NFL. And at least for the first half of the game, Wayne Goldman proved that he can. And I will ride Wayne Goldman. Yep as a running back, until he dies. He could be our running back until he dies. Because guess what? A dead Wayne <laughs> Gallman could probably still average more yards per carry than Paul Perkins right now. It's just a fact. You run him until he dies, a dead he Wayne Gallman. It's true. They have a, folks, a dead Wayne Gallman. A dead Wayne Gallman could roll his way to more, <laughs> to more yards than Paul Perkins has right now. Absolutely. We are comparing a dead, a dead man to an active, strong Paul Perkins. That is how bad he's performing. But let's not take away from what the offensive line did yesterday. I want to point out that they actually, you know, performed well. Obviously, we're going to see left left tackle Eric Flowers break down on his usual occasions, but for the most part, he's been holding up. His name hasn't been called. As much as we hate him, as much as his name has been our focus of criticization, as of late, he has done it. decent. He's been serviceable. And Justin Pugh 
has been great at right tackle. He had a hell of a game. He had one of the highest grades out of the entire team yesterday. He is the only reason that Manning isn't a slinky right now. He, you know, they were running the ball to the, they were running the ball to the right side of the line yesterday, and they had tremendous success. On the left side, it was it was basically, you know, bottled up in the backfield for negative two yards. But the right side, it was it was fantastic. I thought that you know he could be the 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 right tackle of the future. I don't even think there's a there's a reason in moving him back to left guard at this point, unless they find another right tackle that can actually be serviceable. Do you think that it, you know they'll keep him at right tackle? I think that for the rest of the season, he might be in the position to stay there. I think you're absolutely right. I think he should stay right tackle. But you know what the issue truthfully is with the Giants? Is that these issues should have been solved in the preseason. These are issues where, you know, shuffling offensive linemen, you know, based on injury, that always kind of happens. But in terms of, like, figuring out like, what position you want your star players to have, you figure that out in the preseason. And it just seems like the Giants have now gone through the first month of the season without some kind of identity. And maybe they can turn a corner now where they put up respectable numbers, but it's been just slow. And maybe Pewitt right tackle is the answer, and maybe that can, you know, start the offensive, you know, running game for us. But, listen, I don't, I don't know. I think Pewitt right tackle is the right way to go, but it just seems like this team's been slow and has too many issues regardless. But this might be a nice little solution to this one. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I I don't know what's going on with all these injuries, though. That's my biggest concern right now. You know, we got a new um, health and wellness coach, Aaron Wellman. Last year we saw the Giants have one of the least amount of injuries in the league. But this year it seems everybody's dropping like flies. We had Janoris Jenkins get injured. Odell's been injured. Um, Damon Harrison went out for a few snaps. Olivier Vernon's injured. Even Pugh was out for a little bit yesterday. Weston Richburg has a concussion or is in the protocol. There, there's guys dropping like flies, and I don't really understand why. I think that they're giving maximum effort. I don't think it's, it's a lack of effort. I think they're putting the bodies on the line. I just don't think that play calling is, is going well. I think that this is Ben McAdoo's fault because I am very confident that these guys aren't, you know, being lazy out there. They're giving it their maximum effort. It just doesn't seem like – it seems like something else is off because this many injuries doesn't happen. It doesn't happen to both sides of the ball. It, it just – do you agree? I, I don't really know what to, what to think of it. I don't, I don't agree or disagree with you. I think it's just the danger of the NFL. I mean, it's a very dangerous sport to play. play players are always getting hurt. I just – it's like an anomaly. It's just either you sometimes get lucky and there's very little injuries or your entire team is decimated. I really, I don't even think you can play McAdoo because injuries are such a are common thing that you you anticipate and you have the next man up and you're always kind of prepared for that with backups and players that you think could be serviceable. So maybe it's the play calling by McAdoo, maybe it isn't, but I feel as though injuries in the NFL are just something you expect. And I mean, they'll they'll happen regardless, but it, it's just it's one of those weird things where I can't I can't agree or disagree. It's it's just one of those points where it's like, I expect this. So. Yeah, I mean, I guess that makes sense. I mean, the, the, the NFL is a dangerous sport, obviously. It's a dangerous league. The chances of you getting injured are like 99%. Like, mm-hmm. how many players actually escape their, their entire careers without getting injured? Like, I probably can't even name more than one. Um, it's it's kind of tough, I guess. It's, it's just tough for, for, for these guys. They're putting everything on the line, and – 
they're getting hurt and they're dropping like flies and we're seeing the backups have to come in and step up. Um, but I do want to jump into the defense. I do want to jump into how Steve Spagnuolo should be blamed a little bit for this loss. I, I, I don't think his defense came to play yesterday. They made a few ugly mistakes. Um, I want to talk about Eli Apple. He finally turned his head around. I don't know. I, I didn't know I would ever have to talk about someone turning their head around. I think he was hit in the head with an apple and forgot to turn around and locate the ball. I, th- I don't know how it's possible that he just continues to run straight into a, a, re- a receiver without that doesn't have the ball in his hands. It just still kind of baffles me that the fact that he can't learn that simple technique. It seemed like he was fine last year. I don't know. It, it, suddenly he's like regressing. What, what is going on with him? It's uh, just kind of ugly out there in the secondary right now. Like everyone just seems to have been, have regressed from last year. It just, it just, it's, I, even in my voice, the tone of my voice, I'm, I'm, I'm confused. I'm baffled. I, I, I don't, I want answers. What is Steve Spagnuolo? What is going on? He can send as many blitzes as he wants, but the secondary is, it's supposed to be the strong suit of our team. We have Janoris Jenkins back there, DRC. Darian Thompson is supposed to be a huge upgrade at safety. What, what is happening? Where is everybody going? Where, where is our defense? This is, this is supposed to be one of the best defenses in the league. I drafted them in my fantasy team because I thought they were going to be great. And I, even though I knew they were up against a tough schedule, I had that much faith in them this year. And I, I had to drop them because I, I just, I'm just scared to watch them anymore. I mean, they're, they're not letting up that many points considering. But it's, it's the fact that they can't make a stop when need be. I mean, Landon Collins just completely just let Tamar Ray get behind him in the last play of the game to set up that field goal. It's, uh, it's really bad. And, you know, Darian Thompson and Andrew Adams are missing, are missing tackles. Look like a pile of duty out there. I, don't, I just don't get it. Do you, what, is it what is your answer for this? Like, how, do they, how do they combat all of this, all of this bad play? Because the offense played bad the first two weeks, and now the defense played bad the, the, the past two weeks. So it's, it's, there's no balance to the team. And it's, we need these guys to come together and play a, a whole game because they can't just stop playing halfway through, you know? I think you, you've answered your own thing. The Giants have to have some kind of balance. I want to read you a statistic from uh, the NFL. Since week, week, 16, week 16, words are hard, it's okay. Uh, the NFL season since last year, uh, Eli Apples had 48 targets. He's given up 31 receptions, 417 yards, and eight touchdowns with no interceptions. Joris Jenkins and, and Dominic Rogers Cromarty in that same time have had 48 targets as well. They've given up 24 receptions, 238 yards, and three interceptions. For whatever reason, Eli Apple has forgotten how to play the NFL level. And he's a 21-year-old kid, 22-year-old kid. He's our age. And the sophomore slump has really, really hit him like a ton of bricks. He, he's just not playing well. And that is the biggest hole on our team in terms of the secondary at the moment. Eli Apple is just, for whatever reason, struggle tremendously and they have to I guess benching him is, is the option just to sit him down and get himself back together but that might hurt his confidence the rest of his career so you don't even know if that's the right answer or not but Eli Apple is the biggest problem on the Giants defense in my opinion absolutely I mean he's a, he's a liability I would even consider benching him and putting in Ross Cockrell I, mm-hmm. I think that at this point there's no there's no solution to the secondary struggles except to change them up, you know, pull the offensive line, pull, do the same thing they did with the offensive line, you know, make some adjustments, see what happens. If not, go back to the original. 
That's what you do. That's, that's how you test out, you know, different combinations. See, if, you know, play the hot hand. That's what I'm trying to say. Play the hot hand. If you have Cockle that's playing better than Apple, why would you continue to play Apple? Maybe if you bench him, he'll feel a little bit bad. He'll get all, you know, oh, they benched me. Now what do I do? Play better. That's what you're being paid to do. Play better. If you want that big contract after your rookie deal is up, you got to play good. You know, he's a rotten apple out there. He's a rotten apple. And it's really disappointing <laughs> to watch because I don't even know. Yeah, it's, it's, it's bad. And he's, he's fallen really far off the tree. And I just can't stop with these apple jokes right now. But it's, it's, it's looking like someone's got to pick it up before he gets benched. Or, you know, someone's got to step in and, and try and get some confidence back in him because he had one good play yesterday, but he also allowed a ton of other plays. And he's been giving up pass interference calls it's basically every game and it's, it's tough to watch, but, you know, I also want to jump into the, the, the run stopping game because, you know, going into week four, we were last in the league. We were ranked 32nd last in the league in run stopping. We have Damon Harrison and Dalvin Tomlinson up top, Jason Pierre-Paul and Olivier Vernon. How can, how can anyone explain to me, or give me an idea of how that's even possible? How is it even possible that, that we're ranked last in the league in, uh, in the run game? I mean, we gave up 111 yards in total yesterday. Jaquiz Rogers was, was dodging guys like it was his job. Like he was being paid to dodge guys because that's exactly what he was being paid to do. It seems like nobody on the Giants is actually doing what they're paid to do. What, you know, it's like what, what can they even do to, to fix that? Because they have the talent there. They're just – it's just missing tackles. You can see like – so many guys were just slipping out of tackles first, second, third, finally getting wrapped up on the fourth try. What, what is happening? It's, it's kind of embarrassing. I'm, I'm, it's hard to watch, you know, like, a, like it, is it, it a, is is it a technical? Exactly. It's pathetic. It really, it truthfully is pathetic. And we're running out of time. We have a few minutes left. I just want to quickly look towards the future. So the Giants are playing the 0-4 Chargers next week. Literally, I don't. The battle of the 2004 NFL class of quarterbacks in all four situations. Both teams have literally no wins. This is going to be the most anemic and pathetic game next week. I'm so disgusted by our team that I almost want to pick a tie. I almost want to pick a tie for our prediction for this week. I think both teams are garbage, and I am. Very much looking forward to to not even watching this game in a sense, but like just expecting everything. I really, truthfully am. Yep. I mean, let's 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 rename that game. Actually, I want to call it the Battle of the Bums, because I want to call it the Toilet Bowl. Oh, yeah, the the toilet. Yeah, that's a perfect the Toilet Bowl. The Toilet Bowl where each player is flushed down like a pile of duty because that's everything that they have, they have shown us this season, both teams. Mind-blowing to, to think that the Giants are entering this game 0-4, and then they have to play against the Denver Broncos and then the Seattle Seahawks right after that. If they can somehow manage to squeeze by the Chargers and then somehow beat the Broncos, that may give them enough momentum to go into the bye week with, with at least three wins, two wins, you know, going into the bye week two and five is not ideal, but 
any sort of momentum. We need rest. That bye week is going to be essential for us. If we can pull out two out of the next three wins, hope is not lost, but we're on the deathbed. We need, we need a defibrillator right now. We need some sort of a lightning bolt to strike the heart of the giants right now. And the only guy that I saw that even had any sort of spark in him was Galman and Eli, the two guys on the offense. You know, it's, it's not enough. It's not enough for us. And it's going to be a, a very long season. Again. I think you're absolutely right, but I'm going to go with a uh, team chaos. My prediction is that no one wins uh, next week, Chargers and Giants. The game ends in 0-0, and every fan there is refunded their money. No, but seriously, though, my prediction, uh, Giants at home, and I like a little bit of pain. Let's go Chargers 24, Giants 17. Giants lose on a game-winning touchdown to end the game because, well, that's my prediction. Story than that. I'm going with Giants actually break 30 points, 32 to 28. I don't know why I'm saying this. I have a feeling it's going to be a shootout. It's going to be a battle of the 2004 quarterbacks, like you said. Let's, let's let it rain. All right, guys, there you go. We have some differing opinions, but that was our Giants Beat podcast for the week. I was David Bloodstein. I was joined by Alex Wilson. I hope you guys have a nice week, and we will see you guys, hopefully, with the Giants victory on Sunday. Until then, see you guys next time.